Welcome back to the second season of the Sit With Snit podcast, and I'm your host, Hannah Snitkovsky. This season is focused explicitly on sitting with singlehood, how to live a meaningful life while still searching for your life partner. On the show, we process ideas and topics by engaging in thought-provoking conversations with different speakers. For our eighth episode, we're bringing back my dear friend and truly just holistically incredible human, Ariella Azaroff. You may remember Ariella from our first season on her episode, Sitting with Freedom, and we're lucky enough to have her back this season to share more of her wisdom, specifically on cultivating a healthy relationship with yourself. Ariella is a psychotherapist in private practice and a speaker in New York City. She enjoys working with adolescents, young professionals, emerging adults struggling with anxiety and depression, navigating relationships and boundaries, and learning to cultivate a sense of self. With a unique lens of self-compassion and self-acceptance, Ariella feels passionate about helping and empowering individuals to work through their struggles while also holding space for self-compassion. On this episode, you will hear us both discuss the steps needed to cultivate and sustain a healthy relationship with yourself and how the experience of getting to know yourself can help you connect with people and the world around you on a deeper level. So, already start giving yourself the love and acceptance you deserve. Without further ado, Here's to becoming a better you for yourself and your future relationship and spouse. Feel free to reach out and DM me on Instagram and show your love by liking this episode and sharing it with friends. And as always, it's all lessons and blessings. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Sit With Stint podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Snikovsky. And today we're sitting with, again, it's like I keep repeating this, but everyone, thank God that I've been able to have on this podcast, not only as like a dear friend and a mentor, but just like a boss of a human being. And I feel that. And I'm so excited to, you know, formally welcome back to the podcast, Ariella Azaroff. Hey, Ariella. Thank you for having me. My favorite. Yes. <laughs> Ariella was one of our guests um, last season, and she is a licensed clinical social worker and now running her own practice, which is just huge. Mazel Tov on these moves that you've been making. It's really inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. It's been amazing. Truly. I, I mean, it's incredible to see it as just like another fellow, like, entrepreneurial spirit, but also as a friend to see your friends just like going up in the world. It's the best thing. And it kind of keeps you also leveling up as well because like it's who you surround yourself with. So I'm just so happy to have you here. And I know that also what we're going to be speaking about is something that's so like, it's kind of your jam. And I guess I'm going to kind of go into that, you know, especially when it comes to dating or just being in any, I think, any experience in life. So many of you have been reaching out to me and saying, your episodes, like it really impacts people, not just who are single, but like I'm in a relationship. I've been married. I have kids. I really think that the conversations that we've been fostering so far, thank God, have just been tools for being human. Let's put it that way. And I think one of the most important things throughout life, throughout any journey is being able to really know who you are and be authentically true to yourself no matter what. I'm pretty sure there's like a Hazal, our sages say, like, you have to be yourself no matter where you are. I don't know exactly the idea of that. Maybe, Ariel, if you know, chime in. But it's the idea that no matter where you are, you are authentically yourself, meaning no matter what environment you're in, no matter what life experience you find yourself in, you are you, right? But I find that it's sometimes really hard to do that. 
so hard, so hard. And I think especially in the world we live in today, there's so much noise around us, you know. Mm. I practice, I, I specialize, just to give a little context, I specialize in anxiety and depression with young adults. And very mm-hmm. often what young adults move through is a lot of external voices and external people Mm. around them in their world who are kind of telling them what to do or telling them who to date or telling them what they should, they're making decisions for them. And I, part of what Mm. I want to talk about today, Hannah, we always have such beautiful, fluid conversations. I feel, you know, sometimes, you know, when you talk to someone and you're like, oh, I wish like the world could hear this. That's our conversation. (laughs) That's a podcast. Literally. Like, wait, this is like pure wisdom out of your mouth. You know, we need people to hear this. So a big part of what we'll talk about today is how to really cultivate and and build a healthy relationship with yourself, because to be Mm -hmm. honest, that's really who it starts with. So it's exactly what you're saying is you can lose yourself and you can lose your authenticity when you're constantly being moved by others. Mm, Exactly. And I think if you can't have a relationship, first off, you can have many relationships, but a healthy relationship with yourself. How can you expect yourself to have a healthy relationship, please God, with your spouse, with other individuals, colleagues? I mean, life is all about different relationships and also importantly, a relationship with your creator, right? So I think that understanding this this paradigm that life is made up of so many different relationships, but understanding bottom line that it all comes back to your relationship with yourself and that's where it stems from, you kind of have to take a step back and again, like do that you know, inner reflecting. So Ariella, I want to I want to hear because there is so much noise and I don't know. I mean, I think there's always been noise and I think the noise might change depending on the different era that we're in, right? Like people say that our generation is impacted with so many external noises, right? We have social media, we have this and that. But I think bottom line, humanity in general, we've always had external noise. And I mean, there's different challenges that come with that external noise. But in particular, what are you finding that is really relevant nowadays? Mm -hmm. It's a good question. It's a good question. You know, if we're talking specifically to navigating being single, right, there's Mm -hmm. parts to it. And I I really think the part that's that's so important is to first get to know yourself really well. Because the Mm -hmm. effort, I always say the people that, and this is not a pitch for therapy, but (laughs) really when you get to know yourself deeply, you really get to know everybody else around you. You can only get to know everyone around you as deeply as you know yourself, right? Mm. You can only deeply know everyone around you as deeply as you know yourself. So when you take that time, and this is such an important part of being single, is is important to see it as an opportunity to really get to know yourself, whether that means starting therapy, right, just for self-reflection, whether that means mm-hmm. spending time journaling, whether that means reading mm-hmm. self-help books, but really, really getting to know yourself is is the most important. And I think a big piece of it, Han, it's a good question. A big piece of it, what I see um, very often with young professionals, with young adults, is kind of noticing some core beliefs from childhood, core beliefs mm. your parents have said that they'd like you to be like or, or who they would like you to marry or who they would like you to date. And looking at your parents' agenda for yourself or your society or your community, and then taking a step back and thinking about, well, is that aligned with where I'm at right now? Mm -hmm. You know, authenticity really starts with asking yourself the honest questions. Yeah, the hard questions. If you think about it, it's so much easier to stay in this in this spiral of what's expected of me or what everyone wants from me. Because when you make that hard stop and you say, hold on, 
I think what I'm looking for or what I'm like or or a lifestyle that feels right for me may be different than my parents. That takes mm. honesty. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I remember also when I was becoming religious, it wasn't even enough to stop there. I had to have the awareness later on. I think it was more in hindsight, but I also urge people to not even just ask are these the values that align with me? But what's driving me to maybe change those values or seek that change? Because I think that's also huge. I remember maybe like the things that brought me to Judaism, you know, were kind of longing for a community, a place to 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 kind of identify myself with. And now when I look back, I'm like, oh, wow, that wasn't necessarily the healthiest thing to get me through the door. But thank God, like it got me through the door and then you change it. But I think it's so important to also ask like where it's coming from, right? Because that says a lot as well. I love how you just framed that because that's another important piece of mm. about how we are. And you know, my like, my, my big thing is self-compassion, self-love, self-acceptance. How can yeah fully embrace and accept myself as I am, because that's really what motivates change, right? Hmm. From being hard on ourselves and being mean to ourselves. Change comes when we take a compassionate look at trying to understand, you know, what it is that we're moving through. So whether you're in your early 20s or 30s or maybe even 40s, it's really about looking at different versions of yourself and being bandy and compassionate that that's exactly what I needed at that time, because that's exactly the door that I needed to really differentiate or to to really kind of filter, you know, that really wasn't authentic. Or at the time, that was authentic, but I'm no longer anymore. Right. So I love how you mm. use that of the core value work. You know, when you're connected, behaviors are driven by core values, right? We, we in a way that's connected to our value system. So when you're connected to the core parts that are important to you, that's going to really determine how you behave right? So no one can tell you how to behave if that's connected to your truth. Mm. Wow. That's huge. Because I think about so many times in the past or just when I speak with people that we behave because we think that we have to in a certain way, right? Like, well, this is what's expected of me. But really, if you break it down and you think, where is this Where is this coming from? Sometimes it's us interpreting what we think other people expect from us, Right. Or subconsciously, it's what we think that we have to be because X, Y, Z, right? But if we just take a minute to stop, and I think that oftentimes, like you said, it's so mechanical. And also taking the minute to pause and stop is exhausting. Like we're so in it. We're so in those processes. We're, we're just comfortable. And to be just like to be uncomfortable, why would I wish that upon myself? But I think learning also from my experiences – discomfort comes with the territory. Like if you're in it because you want to actually achieve something out of yourself and you want to fulfill what you're meant to be doing, get used to discomfort. If anything, like discomfort is actually the biggest blessing. And it's I'm this is coming from someone who literally, like I said on previous episodes, I couldn't meditate. I couldn't sit still. Like being in my body really drove me crazy. Like I had a very hard time with this. And it's it's taken a lot. It's still it's still a working progress. By end process, but I find that if we realize like we're we're built to handle these things, then like yalla, let's do mm-hmm. it. You know, what? what do you find are these resistances? Like, tell me. Yeah, well, I think it's a, it's it's important to look at our, the words that we use. You know, so all my mm-hmm. clients know that the word should. Oh, I am allergic to should. I <laughs> train to should train is gone. We all have these 
truly. And for me as well, of course, I'm human, that we all have these words that we use that place so much pressure. I should do this, or I should do that, or I shouldn't do that. And it's- I don't even realize when I use should now, I'm going to like, I'm going to have a little Ariella on my shoulder to remind me like, mm, use a different word. Sometimes <laughs> in session, my clients will like, oh, wait, no, I didn't mean should. Because when we say should, right? Think about what that's, it's, it's, it's putting an agenda on yourself of, of an unwritten rule, literally. Mm. So sometimes what I do when we, when we work through kind of looking at core beliefs about yourself, I have my clients kind of feel their feet on the floor because that's what grounds you. When your mind is spinning and spiraling, when you feel your feet on the floor, that's grounding, right? That you're on this earth, the earth is holding you up, you're safe. You feel your feet on the floor and you say, who's told you that? Who told you that? I should blah, blah, blah. Who said so? Mm. Right? When you start with really giving to yourself, and it's interesting because, you know, just to add in Torah because you're a holy girl, you know, Rev Dessler actually says, I, I don't know what book, it might be in Strive for Truth. It says that mm-hmm. Ava, which is love, like the Shoresh, the root is have, which means to give. So you can only mm. give to a relationship. You can only really love someone when you give. And that's true in a marriage, right? You can't just say, okay, I want to feel connected to earn dating. I want to feel connected to you. You can't just say that you have to give, right? And our relationship right. with them too. You can't just say, okay, Shem, I want to feel connected. We have to do something. There needs to be an action, right? You have to, you, you don't have to do anything, but you can daven or you could give tzedakah or you could do a mitzvah. There's different ways you could give to activate the relationship, right? It's kind of like mm-hmm. the yeast is like the activating ingredient in challah and so yourself, right? So too with yourself, when you give to yourself and whether that means you're giving yourself time, you're giving yourself compassion, you're giving yourself the space to get to know yourself deeply. That's how you cultivate a place of love, which then can help you navigate the world around you and stay so much more grounded within yourself without getting lost to all the noises and all the other opinions. Wow. So how do you strengthen, um, that giving. I feel like it's easy to give when things are going well, right? But like when that noise gets louder, how best or like what's the best way for us to be able to give? I I know it's a muscle, obviously. It comes with just practice, but how do you hmm, how are you able to differentiate the way you need to give to yourself when the noise is so loud? Mm, I love that. A very big piece is is the art of noticing. You know, I think sometimes we get into the space of like, oh, well, I need to know, and how do I know, and how do I stop it? First, it's the art of noticing. Notice mm. when you start to give external pressure or external voices more control than your own. And it's a practice. You don't go to the gym and, you know, create this like really strong bicep, right? You have to go to the gym, you have to pick up the dumbbell, and then you have to go heavier, and it's consistency, right? It's not just there. So, so do yeah. with these, this art of noticing. Notice when you're giving someone else more control than your own voice. Mm. And I think it's through the art of noticing and naming it, right? Like I always say, therapy helps you get through life cleaner in a sense where it can really help you iron out, you know, <laughs> something went wrong. This is kind of like a sponge. You kind of like wring the sponge and it can go back to its base, right? So it's kind of like thinking and looking yeah. for and whether that's therapy or journaling or checking in with a friend, but it's kind of looking at where did I give somebody more control than I wanted to, whether it's a shotgun, whether it's a parent, whether it's a nosy neighbor, you know, whatever it might be. It's really noticing where I got lost. And you bring yourself back by really just noticing, naming it, even saying to yourself, whoa, I lost myself there. 
And then that's really how you tame it. You kind of like name it to tame it. You name where you went wrong, and then that can help you bring you back to center. I'm going to show up differently next. I feel like that's so needed. Unreal. I, I when you were when you were describing like the art of noticing, it really resonated in terms of like, for instance, like if you're, I've I've had this happen to me when I'm on dates where like I kind of lose myself at different moments of the date where something maybe the person said overpowered something I thought or or I was seeking validation through what I was saying and to do that in the moment, right? To rein in in the moment takes so much a like you said compassion because that voice of judgment can easily be like. What's wrong with you? Why are you valuing what they think of you more than you? Or just that judgment, the shame, maybe even doubt. And being able to rein in being present is just such a choice. But I think all of this and everything that you've been saying, there's just a lot of choices. And I think if we take it one choice at a time, and we, you know, we choose to notice, and then we choose to be present within ourselves, and then we choose ourselves then it really does help us rein in those moments. Yeah. You know, I don't want to get too psychological, but there is this (laughs) in psychology of attachments, right? We all have Mm -hmm. attachments that in a nutshell are really formed in our early infancy of our caregivers um, giving us, giving to us, right? How our caregivers. So there are insecure attachments and there are more secure attachments. And Mm -hmm. one of the more insecure attachments, which I think many men and women not just women, for sure. move through, is anxious attached, right? Where you anxiously mm. attach yourself to that person or to that situation. Where you start- oh, I resonate. <laughs> we resonate, absolutely. So many, you are not alone, Hannah. So many where you, oh, you tend to personalize, you tend to think it's all about you. You tend to personalize their behavior, their lack of communication, right? Gosh, ghosting in 2023, it's like, it's crazy. <laughs> and a lot of times what happens, what I see in my practice with a lot of clients is almost going on a date and feeling like you need to audition, right? Oh my gosh. A thousand percent. I want to say everything that I think he wants me to say. I'm going to answer everything in a way that he wants me to answer. And I think when we do the work of noticing that we're doing that, right? And I do want to be clear that you should work through your attachment in therapy. And there's a very good book called Attached. I'm forgetting who the author is right now but it's red and white. It's an amazing, amazing book to just educate yourself. I think I own it. I have to reread it. And I'll definitely let all of you um, who are listening know, and I'll post it in stories Oh, um, because it's an amazing book for sure. I know which one you're talking about. Amazing. And when you educate yourself about your attachment style, you know, whether you're anxious attached, you start to personalize. Again, it's really about finding and noticing, okay, I'm doing that thing again. You know, I empower my clients to use their personality up. I'm doing that thing. I feel myself. I feel myself trying so hard. And it's really, Mm -hmm. really, when you feel your feet on the ground, you also soften. You soften your body. You soften yourself to say, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's rein it in. Yeah, absolutely. I think also, I remember it used to be hard for me to talk about these things. Like the fact, like even just saying like, oh, I definitely experienced an anxious attachment. But when you start taking away that judgment, that shame that I think is oftentimes so associated with therapy around being single, just different life experiences. Like, first of all, who told us, who decided that we need to be associating that that shame or that judgment like with these different life experiences, right? Let's take a minute to just realize like, mm, we don't have to be doing that association. 
And it's a human experience. So let's embrace it and let's move forward with it. Um, so yeah, I'm really glad you brought up that book. I, I see it. My I have a color-coded bookshelf and I know it's in the red section. So thank you for putting that back on on my mind. Of course. We'll go back to that for a minute because when you say shame, right? When there's shame, mm-hmm. tell me more about that. Like where and what are you seeing with your friends or your audience? Like what what's what's drawing the shame? What does that mean? I really think it's, a, you know, I'm curious what our listeners would think, but I think for me, what came to mind is just what other people think of us, right? Like, I really think like, especially when you're dating, or at least from my experience, this could be just from my own, just, you know, like what I've worked through in my life, I've definitely put external validation on a high pedestal, right? And I think it's taken a lot of inner work to kind of validate myself and be like, I'm great no matter who thinks so, right? To kind of fill up your glass on your own, right? And really just sit with yourself and learn to love yourself so that when you do show up on those dates, you're not like you, you're seeing if they are worth your time, not the other way around, right? Um, but I think that oftentimes there is that little bit of curiosity that I have where that shame comes in, where if, if I'm being liked by the other person, right? Because no one likes to feel that rejection, right? No one likes to feel like what you're all about is not someone's cup of tea, but that's kind of that's a truth. You're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. I think it's about, and that's a really good point is that there's this expectation, I think, especially in the firm world, you know, there's this expectation mm. of what life, there we go with the should, what life should look like by a certain, mm-hmm. by a certain t- time period. And it's, it's really challenging. I mean, let's be honest, right. It's very challenging to super where you haven't met that, what, what society has deemed as an appropriate age to get married or when you should get married by. And I just think that the emphasis on the marriage, on getting married is like a pressure cooker, you know, pressure. Oof, yeah. My years, my years working with teens in my earlier training, I worked with teens, mostly teens at risk. And I'd always talk to parents about, you know, pressure never, never motivated change for anyone. Right? Yeah, no. not, it's not helpful. So when you think about it, and, and there's a lot of pressure in, in society, especially in the firm world of, of getting married and, and dating, you know, that creates that you, you, you blow at a certain point, you lose it, right? It's kind of like, I use this analogy, we used to do this at camp, like you would take a bottle, uh, I'm from Chicago, so I say pop, you take a can of soda pop, <laughs> and, you, and you throw it and it explodes. And that's really what yeah. pressure and it's never opening, right? And you just, and you throw it and it explodes everywhere. So you don't want to get to that point of, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're feeling the pressure, when you're feeling overwhelmed, that's when you have to recheck in with yourself, right? That's where creating and cultivating a healthy relationship with yourself is the most important thing to do. You know, Jay Shetty is in a huge relationship. He's incredible. I'm obsessed with Jay Shetty. If anyone follows me, I, like every other post is Jay. Like, <laughs> yeah, Jay Shetty has a lot of wisdom. And he says that the number one relationship you have to have before any relationship is a relationship with yourself. Because where the dependence kind of created on, I need this to feel fulfilled, or I need this, then you're constantly seeking for something else, right? So we do not want codependent relationships with anything, not even just people, but like things, like other things that are outside of ourselves, right? We don't, we don't want that. It's not, mm-hmm. that doesn't sustain anything mm-hmm. at all, except codependency. <laughs> so but when you, when you cultivate that healthy relationship with yourself, right? That's how you talk to yourself, right? When you're home mm-hmm. alone and no one's there, your roommates aren't home, or maybe you live alone. How do you talk to yourself, right? What are the thoughts you feed yourself? 
When you're struggling with food, alcohol, depression, anxiety, when you're struggling with all that, how do you show up for yourself? Yeah. That's the number one thing. You know, I posted this recently and it's so true. It's like, sometimes we want to just wish the dark days away, right? Oh yeah. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. that you haven't gotten a suggestion in months and weeks, maybe in a year. Maybe it's the days that you went out with someone you finally liked and then he wasn't interested. Maybe it's the day that you went out with someone and he was so, or he or she were so off, right? And you're just feeling down. We want, it's that we have this tendency, right, to just wish it away. But what's more important is to focus on how do I respond to myself and how mm. I take care of myself when I'm struggling. Huge, because those are those inner dialogues, right? We don't realize, but it is an inner dialogue within ourselves. So if you decide, well, I can't handle this, I'm going to numb it or, you know, try and like wish the darkness away, like you said, what is that, what is that telling yourself? Oh, I can't handle this. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's not building yourself up, but rather it's kind of dismissing the strength, the inner strength that we all have within ourselves. The question is, are you going to build on it? Well, the thing is also is that you're really learning how to handle distressing feelings. Yeah, of course. I'm allergic to toxic positivity. You know, it says like real vibes. <laughs> it says positive vibes only. I say real vibes only, right? Like we Please. allow it all in. So you responding to yourself in times of struggle, and there's a lot of times of struggle, you know, when you're single, you know, people listening to this, there's, there's all different types of struggle. Absolutely. In a relationship and feeling so lonely, but you're not alone, but you're lonely in that relationship. Yeah. There's a struggle of being in a relationship that in your gut, you know, is so wrong for you, but you don't know how to get out of. There's the struggle of feeling misunderstood in dating of who's going to understand exactly what I'm looking for. Do I even make sense? There's, there's so many parts. So many layers. So it's not all, and that's kind of why I preface that it starts with you because that will really set the tone. And these are the years to use. How do I show up for myself? Because honey, life is going to bring tons of struggles down the line. You don't stop showing up for yourself just because you have a partner. If anything, I think you have to show up for yourself more from the friends of mine that who are married who like, you know, are vulnerable and tell me about kind of the the fallacy of this like perfect life that I'm always going to be happy. Your your husband can't necessarily fill those those gaps cuz those gaps are you. You need to fill them. You have to be your person, especially when you have another person. <laughs> you have to. And it's and it's not comfortable for everyone. You know, and that's mm. what you we were saying before. Brene Brown is the best. Oh, queen. Queen. And she says that vulnerability is really the birthplace of creativity. You know, mm. vulnerability, say that again, vulnerability is the birthplace of creativity. What I mean by that is that when you're vulnerable, when you're honest with yourself, with someone else, that's when you can create something, a relationship, a relationship with yourself, a relationship with someone else. But first, you've got to get uncomfortable. You know, I think so much of my work with my clients and their moments of growth have been when they got uncomfortable and they did it scared. Mm. Yeah, kind of that. It's It really is a leap of faith. It really is to get to be uncomfortable as a leap of faith. And it actually like kind of f- perfectly reminds me. I'm like seeing the scenery. It's too bishvat today. So also right now we're in the middle of winter. Talk about a vulnerable time. And this little seed is in the ground, right? This little bit of potentials in the ground, and the discomfort is 
well, the seed is actually going to rot and deteriorate in order to then grow and come out as a tree that's going to bear fruit. If that's not a metaphor for us, I'm not sure what is. Well, I love that, Hannah, also. And the beauty of Tubishvat is that it really reminds us, and Rev Weinberger is a whole piece on this. Oh, reminds me of my more Manhattan days when I taught this, that yes. think about it, the, the, and I'm not so um, educated on nature and <laughs> the... The, the, inter- under- the inner work, but you know that we learn that um, a tree can kind of be recreated by its own sap, right? That it doesn't need to be watered. And if you think mm-hmm. about it, that's also humans that we have innate wisdom. So everybody listening to this has to know that they, you have the answers within, right? Yeah. Sometimes it has to be. It's kind of like I use this analogy too. Sometimes it's like an antique piece of like an antique dish that's been on the on the cupboard for a while that needs like a little cleaning. Right. Mm-hmm. We need to be a little clean. We need a cleaning, right? We need a really good cleansing conversation, right? Hannah, I feel like you're all about that. Like the cleansing conversation. Ooh, I live for those guys. Slide into the DMs. I'll always be open <laughs> to listen. That's, <laughs> so That's your tagline. Cleansing, having cleansing conversations, right? Honestly, thank you. <laughs> That's- Trademark to Ariella. <laughs> no. I'll, send, I'll send the check in the mail. Don't oh, worry. <laughs> That's really it though, though. Sometimes we need and it's interesting because that's another piece I wanted to talk about in the podcast today is how do you stay in a good zone, right? How do you stay mm. in a place to um, not just have continued good esteem, but how do you stay in a place of having a good sense of self? Yeah. And I think a big piece of it is, is first of all, showing up for yourself for sure, of being reminded of all of the acknowledging what it is that you're missing. And then also it's kind of like opening your hands at, at the same time. And on one hand, you know, even spiritually, it's saying if you're listening to this and you you're connected to a faith or Hashem or whatever faith you're you're connected to, it's on one hand saying, "I want this so badly, right? Help what I want feel aligned with what you feel I need." That's mm. help that feel like we're 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 aligned and and we're on the same page here, yeah. And on the other hand, it's also saying, "Here are all the blessings in my life, and here's where I'm going to focus my energy." Is it my family? Is it my friends who are like my chosen family, right? Is it my job? Is this this podcast that I rock at, right? Is it, mm-hmm. is it my, whatever it is in your life, but where are the places in your life that you feel you have blessing? And then it's about using the parts of you that are working and the things that you're good at and really honing in on them and keeping them so close, but also creating space to say, I really wish and I really want this. Because we don't want mm. hope. A lot of women feel like, how does how does anyone stay hopeful? Right? Like bad, bad yeah. after bad day, year after year. How do I stay connected to what I even really want anymore? Like who am I even besides now? Like this identity of a single woman. I had someone actually ask me that. Someone asked you. Yeah, they felt like hot, like they felt so lost. Like I don't even know who I am anymore. Like I, I, I'm, I've forgotten, and I even have a friend who's married who is a mother now, thank God. But she's like, I, I don't know who who was I before I was a mother. They lost sense of themselves a little bit because other external realities, other situations came in. And I love what you're saying, like focus on your blessings because I think it helps where you focus, right? Where attention goes, where, where, where you're focusing. And it helps kind of overflow into the area that maybe you're missing. Well, energy flows where attention goes. Exactly. And yeah. I'm not saying, I want to make this very clear. It's not saying that you're negating the part of you that you want. No. 
Never. We're not negating it. Oh, you're holding on to that. Really both hands open. You're holding on to it and saying, I want this so badly. And that's mm-hmm. true, Hannah. Not but, and. Yes. When we, when we use but, right, we negate a truth. We negate a part of us that you want something so badly. When you mm-hmm. use and, you're creating space for both. I want this and look at this life that I'm actively creating for myself. Look at this life that I'm actively building for myself. Because a lot of it is that you want to put your thoughts to, to bring light, right? When we put our thoughts into a place of darkness, that comes from a place of what I deserve, where I should be. But- it's very victimized. It's lacking. And it attracts that too. So it's, it's interesting because I think a, a big piece, and this is, this is, if I had like a few messages to send out about this. <laughs> is you want to sometimes stop and ask yourself, am I the victim to my life or am I the author of my life? Am I a victim to my life? Right? Am I a victim of woe is me? Right? I'm a victim. Or am I an author? Okay. With every struggle I move through, how can I co-create this life of mine? Mm. Huge. It's a very big distinction. And it's... I think it's very slight. You, it's very slight when you go into into the victim. You sometimes don't even notice you are. But then I think what happens is, like like we said, that energy is contagious. Like attracts like. So then, if you start noticing the patterns and you're starting to see things aren't like aligning with what you actually want, you have to stop and ask yourself, well, where is it starting from, right? And it's it's very often that the I think at least from my experience, the victim mentality comes in. Because we're disregarding all the blessings. Like I literally had a mentor of mine say, like, open up a note on your phone and I literally want you to write down every blessing in your life. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And she's like, no, I literally want – it could be physical blessings, spiritual blessings. Like I want you to do that. And over the past year, I've built out this note every time there's something new. And now whenever I I really need to reconnect myself, I open up that note and I literally count my blessings. And yes, it doesn't mean – it doesn't diminish the things that I want or the things that I am lacking. But when you focus on the lack, you're completely closing off your your vision to all the things you have. And I, I was listening yesterday. I wish I remember who said it. It'll come to me. But the fact of the matter is you're always going to have something that someone else is lacking and vice versa. Like you have something that someone's praying for. Let's like bring light to that. Let's acknowledge that. It doesn't mean that we're not going to diminish what we want. But it just creates the atmosphere of gratitude, right? And I think there's so much that comes from that space. Yeah. Well, I think that's why there's so much research that backs up of why a gratitude practice is so important to fight depression. Mm-hmm. Because it's yeah. like, and I, I say this pretty often, it's like you want to notice your thoughts and not drown in them. You know, mm. sometimes, especially in not only in being single with being and being married as well, but I think sometimes with being single, sometimes you're left to the noise of your own mind. Oof, yeah. You're left to the noise of your own mind. Oof, you could spiral, right? It's kind of like a dominoes and it spirals. And we want to stop the spiral with any difficult behavior. We want to stop the spiral. And when you, a, a practice that I often tell people to stop the spiral is to stop, to feel your feet on the ground and to journal for a moment or to even just close mm-hmm. your eyes. If you don't have access to a journal, to close your eyes and to connect to your breath. And that automatically creates a pause. And the other day I was working with a client who struggles with depression and kind of this victim mentality. And I had her write mm-hmm. down three people she was feeling 
very grateful for that remind her of her worth, that remind her of how special she is. And such a good practice. Well, you know, we want it to come from within you that you could fill, but I think external kind of validation or external push, it's kind of like a little kid on a swing. You just want to like push them and it starts them off. Then they, yeah, you know? So I think sometimes when you tap into the supports in your life that you're grateful for, that reminds you of your light, you know, that reminds you of your worth. And then you do that practice on your own. But a big thing mm. is really remembering and noticing when am I entering this space in my thoughts of darkness and saying, oh, no, no, I'm not going down there right now. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. That's not going to bring me to a place of light. What do I need to do? Yeah. I need to leave my apartment. Do I need to go to the gym? Do I need to call a friend? Do I need to turn on a show? Do I need to turn on music? Like, what do I need to do to actively shop? Take that with a grain of salt. That was me trying to be funny. Okay, guys, don't also put everything in the shopping cart. (laughs) Everything in balance. Maybe you need to eat something delicious in balance, right? Maybe Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. need to go to the gym in balance. Everything in balance, right? Everything in balance, yes. But that's a very big piece is, is when you get to know yourself, you get to know your trigger, you get to know your mind, and you get to know when your thoughts take you to a dark place. And learning how to get out of it is so important. Oh my goodness. I feel like it's this constant, like you end up in a hole and you have to climb out of it and then there's another hole and it's just kind of figuring out this. It's just figuring out how to be your own best friend and get yourself in and out of situations. And I think having that fluidity within yourself is, it's it's, mag- it's a magical process, I think, to witness within yourself your own strength. And I'm sure also like working with individuals, it just reinforces this tremendous notion that we we really are incredible. We have the potential to really not even master our emotions, but also use what sometimes can seem as these overwhelming experiences of darkness, of lack of clarity to really bring out our biggest light. I really feel that. Well, you know, total transparency. I think to be a a good therapist, be a good clinician, to really understand, you have to know what it's like right? I deeply, deeply get self-work. I deeply, deeply get dark thoughts. I deeply, deeply get having a hard time working ourselves out of it. Mm -hmm. That work, right? And when you, when you, when you know what it's like, and you are such an evolved, worked on person, Hannah, you spread really with just having such healing, beautiful conversations on your podcast. It's, it's, it's so incredible because I think it helps people see, feel seen, you know, they can mm. listen to this on their way to Trader Joe's, on their way to a date, on their way to the gym, whatever, in the car, doing carpool, whatever it is. And it's like you give them a little light. And I think these conversations are so important because everybody struggles. Yeah. Everybody struggles. Yeah. And I think it's just the way that we respond to ourselves in struggle, that in the in the years of being single, of needing to learn how to show up for yourself, how to place those boundaries how to listen to what you need, how to take yourself seriously. That's building that muscle that you need that can help you engage with the world around you. Wow. I, I have chills from what you just said. Thank you, Ariel. It's, it's, it's real. And I think that, you know, taking that veil off of trying to be this perfect person um, has been like life's work for me and just realizing there's no such thing. And just, I think, if my biggest thing, in addition to just giving people strength through this podcast and especially this episode, is just being real and 
acknowledging, yes, we have these hard moments. We all do. It's not specific to you. You're special, but you're not that special. You know what I mean? Like it's it's one of those things where we all experience them. So let's not let's not try to mask it and pretend like you're any different. Let's just kind of give each other space to own that, well, I'm also in this. And I think that brings not only community, but it also just helps us, I think, get through it a little bit better each and every day. And if there's yeah. one point I could just, I can make is it's about Please. rewriting the narrative and rewiring in a way of, of rewriting the script that mm. if you have faith, right, or if you are of a spiritual perspective, right, everything happens at its time. That could feel like such an annoying thing to say. But if you really have that perspective, then you allow your your years of being single, of dating, of getting to know yourself of getting to know new versions of yourself and and really putting yourself out there in some ways, right? And experiencing all different parts of you. And it's really about moving energy of putting yourself in new situations and 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 trying things on, right? Getting to know yourself in a way that can really help you deepen your relationship. And and instead of allowing society to label you as something, it's really about saying, well, my power is reclaiming and rewriting that this is time for me to really get to know myself all yeah times. and to really see it almost kind of like as a journey that's unfolding each person that you meet each person that you're connected to is an opportunity for you to deepen your relationship with yourself so yeah. bring rejection even. bring something new bring something new out right and it helps you view you know when when rejection comes around it's kind of like well i wasn't really meant to learn anything from that person I see this as a journey of deepening my relationship with myself, that I'm going to engage and interact with everyone needed in my journey. And if not- In a better way, right? In a better way. Yeah. Wow. Ariella, I have no words. I may, like I, I can't wait to hear this episode. <laughs> um, but before I let you go, um, as you know, I have a practice where I like my guests to kind of have a space where they can just sit with things. We're on go so much and- I, I think that sometimes having the space just to sit with something is so important. So I invite you, Ariella, what are you currently sitting with? It's a good question. I'm currently sitting with deeply, deeply working on being an author of my life and every mm-hmm. struggle that comes that wants to pull you back into the dark thoughts and wants to pull you back into those familiar, darker places in your mind of shame and all the negative stuff, right? It's, it's kind of like using all that power to muster through to, to take your thoughts back to a place of light and to be an author. So that's what I'm sitting with is this constant work of being open to new situations and being open to lessons in the form of people or events or situations and really being open, open energy to receiving whatever is meant in my journey. I mean, beautifully said. And I, I felt like as you were saying that, like sometimes that familiarity of comfort is actually more of a pain, like a long-term pain. And the initial pain of maybe being uncomfortable in something new actually allows us to make more space for that light. So I bless you. you. Allowing pain to change you and shape you. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. (laughs) Literally, literally. Wow. 
Guys, thank you so much for tuning in again. Be sure to connect with Ariella. She has an incredible and inspiring Instagram page as well as her incredible practice. And thank you again, Ariella, for joining again um, on the Sit With Snip podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a great day, everyone. Have a good day.